with Phil Mansfield. We're so excited to be with you. Um, last week, we talked about delayed gratification, and this kind of dovetails into what we're going to talk about today, which is the spotlight effect. And what does that actually mean? What is the pressure? What is the feeling real? And we're going to discuss that with Phil today. So, Phil, how are you doing? I'm very well. Very, very well. I'm uh, <clears throat> looking forward to, to talking about it. I think it's quite a relevant topic currently with the, with the younger with the younger market of athletes. So what is spotlight effect? Well, it, essentially it's a, it, to say it not so kindly to start with, is a heightened, it's a heightened uh, self-awareness or a heightened value of self. And what it does is it, it almost makes you, you know, when you walk into a room and you feel that everyone's looking at you, or that everybody's talking about you, and they're often not, but they, but you feel that they're talking about me, they're whispering about me. It's that on a on a grander scale in terms of when you have social media, or you're going to a competition, or you're wherever it is you you might be travelling to, even if it's a party or a friends party, you have this feeling that you people are watching you and people are, are taking paying attention to your performance or what you're doing. And, and that cause, uh, so causes you some social anxiety. It's funny you say that. And I don't know if, please tell me if I'm wrong as, as someone who has battled a weight problem for the last 20 years, that is something that affects me. And I know other people in my situation that you always think that, everybody is staring at you when you walk into a room because you don't fit in. That's right. That's right. And uh, sorry, were you going to carry on Scott? Sorry. No, no, no. But that's exactly the point is that, is that you feel that you've, you, we've all, I think we've all experienced that. Um, and imagine that in, you know, 60 years ago, it was just literally the room you were walking into but as the world is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. And we're, we, we have more access to the world and we have the social medias or the news outlets and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. You can, you can be in on both sides. You can be in one article on, uh, on a website, which has had 300 views and it can make you feel like literally you're one of the most famous people in the world. And you not only can that stifle performance, but it, on the, on the negative side, it creates an enormous amount of social anxiety and you think you're being watched and you think people are, really taking a taking a keen interest into what you're doing and where you're going um, and it, it it gives you this comparative mindset you start to you can't avoid comparing and once you start the comparison uh, the comparison route you, you have some problems you have some sort of then you start you can't really focus on yourself and you're just looking at how do I shape up next to everybody else in and around me yeah it's it's funny because I've, I've talked to athletes. I've heard athletes talk about how in the CrossFit world, if you're at Wadapalooza, sure, people recognize you. The minute you step out of that park and onto the streets of Miami, nobody knows who you are. So how do you, how do you battle the two, right? If you're at an event or you're at something that is very CrossFit niche and um, CrossFit heavy, yeah, you may get recognized, but walk away from that. And even Rich Froning says he can walk in Cookville Kroger and nobody knows who he is. That's it. That's it. So, so that heightened, that heightened or 
in in the negative sense when you feel that heightened self self responsibility or that heightened uh, anxiety because you feel the whole world is watching me the reality like as you say you walk outside your box you walk outside your gym you walk outside what a palooza with 10,000 people watching you and you literally not one person recognizes you knows who you are and and the what compounds it or what makes it worse is the social media element you then feel like because you have so many followers you know that everybody's watching what you're doing and it blocks you so some people some people don't post because they feel that the whole world is going to look at them and some people overpost to to because they feel that the whole world is watching them so they need to show that they're doing well and so you just end in this perpetual perpetual i mean i've seen been present with athletes who are outright sort of lying on their social media or increasing their weights or telling them they're doing types of training or adapting workouts just because they feel the pressure that, that the world's watching them and the spotlight when in actual fact, no one's watching us. So, so how do you have that conversation with an athlete? You're the coach, they're the athlete. Falsifying your presence cannot be good for, because eventually you're going to start believing the lies you're telling and that's not good for your training. No, but it's not. Well, I mean, the training is one thing, but also your your mental health, and you get caught in this perpetual, <coughs> excuse me, this perpetual circle. And and I mean, when I've I've been fortunate or unfortunate enough to work with some some sort of compulsive liars, and and one follows the other, and you cut. They can't remember who they've told what story they've told to because they're constantly thinking that whatever they say and wherever they, however they. Um, whatever perception of self they give off, the whole world is then going to hear about that and find that. And it becomes, they become immersed in this, in this world. And it, it takes, it takes over them. It consumes them to a, to a, to a lesser extent. It's, it's really tough. It's, it's a very, it's a very harsh, it blocks competition. It's a, it's one of the, it's one of the biggest uh, competition blockers or what we call sort of like performance anxiety blocks that people have um is is the spotlight effect is in golf for example people who people who suffer from the yips in golf and other types of sports that those mental blocks they're in, they're, they're born from the same psychology so is it is it talking through it is it them getting a reality check is it how how do we how do you get them out of that it's <laughs> with with difficulty um <clears throat> one of the one of the one of the most important things you do is you you give them a reality or a perception of their world of their universe and of the current universe they're in and, and as i always say on the show is it's about evidence and it's about finding evidence now <clears throat> it's nearly always in psychology there's an incongruence between reality and expectation and here the expectation is that the whole world knows who i am uh, the whole world is watching me. It doesn't matter what I do. And the reality is nobody is watching me. The reality is very few people are watching me. And I think the reality is that people are so self-invested and so so concerned about themselves that they, for the most part, they don't have time to be looking at other people. So, so that's the first thing you, you need to do is you need to address that reality in that you get them to draw their you get them to draw their universe you get them to 
to look at those forks in the road that we've discussed in the previous and delay gratification and look at, well, <clears throat> when was the last, how many comments, how many likes, who's following you, uh, actually get physically push them into tangible answers and ask them for examples of when, of when this actually manifested itself. And it's very rare that they even have them. It's very rare that they've even, they've even, even seen the, uh, have a good example of it. Yeah. So, wow. So as, as someone like me who has experienced the weight issues and I have to walk into a room, how do I convince myself that nobody really cares what I look like in that moment? Well, it's a concept of self. So <clears throat> the battle is the fork in the road is not walking into that room. So your cognitive age on the way into the room has already been, is already reduced. So if you're trying to solve that problem before you're walking into the room, it's the same with public speaking. Public speaking is one of the best examples of uh, spotlight effect. Why people struggle with public speaking is that, that they quite literally think everybody in the room is judging me rather than looking at me. <clears throat> so if you're already having those questions at prior to walking into the room, we're addressing it at the wrong time. Where we have to address it is, is in the safety of the human uh, and not the four-year-old. And that's done back in your safe environment at home with with the therapist, wife, whoever whoever that may be. And in that particular moment, there it's literally going through the the core values of self. And what's really really interesting is is that we're not all we're not that different. So it's actually questioning the person themselves and asking them what do you think they're thinking. And it's the same as asking a smoker, is smoking good for you? very often that you'll very rarely meet a smoker in their conscious human self that would say smoking's good for me. Now they might say I enjoy smoking, but if you ask them the specific question is smoking good is smoking good for you, they'll say no. So we understand that concept of self way back in way, way back where we're in our sort of high cognitive, high functioning state. So the first thing is timing is to have them in that situation where they are where they're rational, where they've eaten, where they've maybe had a little bit of caffeine, where they're where they're in a in a good state, and in that point there, have them evidence the room themselves, have them ask questions to other people. What is it you're thinking about? Because I think nobody nobody with with spotlight effect, nobody actually believes spotlight effect. It's a it's a it's a stress state of walking into a room. That makes sense. So the classic one is a competition that we're coming up towards a competition and we think that the entire world is watching us because the Clydesdale media mentioned us in a podcast or because we were written about online or because we were posted by we were posted by the the company there that that spotlight on me grows where once we've reached that point we're already past the point where it's where we can help if that makes sense so the work yeah. from the coach's side is way, way earlier than that. It's pre-season, it's off-season, it's in training camps, and it's preparing them for the fact that this attention is coming later on. And it's the same with you walking into a room. I won't. There's nothing really I can say to you just before we walk into the room that would help you. You know, I might be able to put my arm around you, and I might be able to give you some comfort at that moment and say, "Well, we'll do this together," or "We're going to go in there together." But <clears throat> But, but there's nothing I can really say there. It's the same with people who struggle dropping under the barbell in a, in a squat clean. 
there's nothing I can really say to you when you're standing over the barbell about to put it from the floor that's going to help. All my work needs to be done way prior to that, sort of weeks, months prior to that with a journal in your hand and addressing addressing the issue of why do you feel like people are looking at you and, and, and nailing down those expectations and then the reality of how many people are looking at you. So balancing the congruence between expectation and reality, really. It's funny you say that because I think that that's it, right? In the, in the calm of my own home, I know that it is not realistic that these 10,000 people at Wadapalooza are going to be staring at me as I walk down the sidewalk to the stadium, right? And so when I get there, I do feel that regression back to, oh my gosh, everybody's going to stare at me before I walk through the gates. However, as I walk in, and people are giving me hugs or fist bumps or high fives as I'm walking in. All those cues that I told myself at home are helping me get my cognitive age back up and realizing that I'm overreacting, that this is not a reality that people can, that even care about me in this group of 10,000 people with all these lights, flashes, all this stuff going on. Yeah, and I think there's there's two or three things there. One is that you actually end up um, like I'm terrible for it now. Like I've public speaking is something I have done for yeah since I was 16, and I've lectured in countless times to hundreds and hundreds of people, and I will never be able to. I will never get the balance right. I always think they're going to hate it. They'll think they're this podcast. The fact that we've got 11 episodes absolutely surprises the life out of me. You know, I'm, I'm sure that at some point the feedback is, hey, can you guys just stop talking, please? You know, and you think that and, you, you know, you, you exaggerate that in your head and it grows. And at some point you have to find these triggers and you have to find these inner, inner self to say, well, somebody somewhere believes in this, somebody somewhere. And that evidence and you find these triggers that, that keeps you talking. Um, it's one of the like I have a very have a very special relationship with visualization i think visualization can be very poorly managed in the sports world and i think it's very very badly used uh, but this is one of those conditions where visualization can really help if done properly um because you visualize the actual the positivity of it because a lot of the time the spotlight effect is not necessarily how many people are looking at me but how many people are looking at me negatively where actually you walk into a room and then you find out that they're not looking at you negatively. They're actually looking at you because they quite like you or they're looking at you because you're a really nice guy. And your perception, again, the reality versus expectation, your perception of them is something completely different. And everybody's sitting at home thinking, well, it's great you're going to this competition and I wish you all the best of luck. And I'm liking your post because I want you to do really, really well. When you're sitting at home thinking they're watching me, they want me to fail. And so it's rewiring that perception of those having those triggers to most people when I finish a lecture, come up and shake my hand and say, well done, Phil, I loved it. And, you know, 25 years into lecturing, I still don't really have anyone that's walked out of a lecture. So the evidence for me says, well, I'm saying something right. People are enjoying what I'm saying. <laughs> but you still never shake the, the fact that you feel that anxiety prior to any kind of public speaking or recording or event. Yeah. I love the, the visualization and the cues and the, and the example of the barbell, right? You don't learn how to lift a barbell standing over it, but you can learn the cues that help you be successful, right? That 
you know, butt back, keep the barbell tight, head through the ceiling, right? Those three things tell me what I need to do because of what I learned before I got there. Yeah, and I'm talking specifically there about the fear of dropping under the barbell. You know, there's a, that's a real thing, especially when it gets heavy. You know, it's a real thing for a lot of athletes that that they can pull from the floor, but it's it's how do you then just scoot under it and let it and, and risk it hitting you hard? Um, and uh, particularly in beginners whose technique isn't as as advanced, um, it, it's a real thing. And and it. it we digress slightly from the spotlight effect, but it actually isn't. It's having the triggers of what to say to yourself. To to over, we did the podcast on conflict. Essentially, it is conflict. It is your your ability to deal with conflict before you enter the room. Of I feel like everybody in this room doesn't like me, or everybody in this room is thinking I'm different, or everybody in this room has is looking for me to fail, and it's it, it's very negative. Um, very negative perception, but, but very often the reality is much different afterwards. So to finish this up as a coach, it's gotta be tough because in the bubble of CrossFit, as you're coaching an athlete, they are under a spotlight, literally out on the floor, but how do you convince them that that's not everything? That's just that moment. Um, and we'll finish up there. I think one of the things my, I will say very often to my athletes is the pressure on you to be a good person, the pressure on you to be a good husband, wife, mum, dad, friend, the pressure on you to um, to live your life by the core values you set yourself are far greater pressure than any CrossFit event could ever give you ever. And if you're living under that pressure to be a great person, then, then the CrossFit side of things is easy. Awesome. Well, if you like what you heard, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new episodes come out. If you have any topics you want Phil and I to discuss, make sure you drop those in the comments below or shoot us a DM on Instagram. With that, we will see you next time on